You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And this is why I say that Jesus was political. Neither he nor those who he cared about could afford to ignore the systems of injustice and oppression that were damaging real human lives. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 249 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Political Jesus, and our feature text is Mark 1, 14-14. 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Two weeks ago, and I'll put a link to that article in this week's e-site, but two weeks ago I, I, I stated that politics answers the question of who gets what. So, so Jesus was not a, a religious figure as much as he was a political one. He, he, he did not fundamentally challenge the Jewish religion. Jesus' teachings centered the poor and, and gave them the entire kingdom. Jesus' teachings were, if we define politics, as who as answering the question of who gets what, Jesus's teachings were political, and I want to to, to follow up on on that statement a, a bit this week. It's it's important to, de- to define the term politics, and when I use the term political, and as I said last week, I don't mean partisan. Politics m- means related to the the polis. It's it's the members of a community, and whenever you have two or more people doing life together, you have politics. Politics answers the question again, who gets what? So when when I say political this week, I don't mean who's running for office or or I don't mean a political office. I'm referring to the question of how within the polis means of survival and thriving are, are justly and equitably distributed. It's the question of, of who gets what. And Jesus's teachings were deeply political if you define politics this way. He didn't go around getting people to say a special prayer so that they could go to heaven when they die. Instead, he, he taught survival. He taught liberation for those who were scratching out an existence in a, a type of living hell here and, and, and now, today. His teachings were not exclusively focused on, on post-mortem destinations, like, as we find in many sectors of Christianity today. But, but his teachings actually threatened the political and the economic structures of his society. He was calling for a a, a new social order now. And, And we see this present in in his predecessor, John. And John, as our feature text states, was put in prison, just like the prophets of old, for speaking truth uh, to power. Um, Even today, people are not put in prison for what they believe happens after we die. Uh, They're in prison for threatening political and economic systems that prop up the privilege and the power of the elite. And religious teachings that only focus on the afterlife, they've been co-opted through 
throughout history to, to legitimate uh, oppressive economic and political structures of subjugation and exploitation. And, and these are the teachings and, and the teachers, um, the ones that, that, that religiously legitimate oppression, they're the ones who fool us and leave us passive in the face of injustice, even as we believe ourselves to be being religiously faithful. And we don't find this type of teaching either in John's nor in Jesus' teachings. John was uh, arrested by the, the powers that be and eventually beheaded or executed. And Jesus, too, was arrested and, and executed. John was arrested for his teachings. And, and Jesus' death, too, was a, a political death as well. One commentator states, and this is Martin Hangel from his book Crucifixion, page 86, Crucifixion was and remained a political and military punishment. Among the Romans, it was inflicted above all on the lower classes, i.e. the slaves, violent criminals, the unruly, and think political protesters here when you think unruly, the unruly elements in rebellious provinces, not least Judea. These were primarily people who, on the whole, had no rights. In other words, they were groups whose development had to be suppressed by all possible means to safeguard law and order in the state. Notice that last phrase, to safeguard law and order. Things haven't changed all that much. In the United States, the the Anglo-Saxon ethnic origin myth, the white supremacy, manifest destiny, slavery, segregation, those all have evolved despite even the U.S. civil rights movement into a, a system of mass incarceration today that, that still targets people of color in the name of, of safeguarding law and order. And if you'd like more information on that, there's three books I can recommend. The first one would be Stand Your Ground by Kelly Brown Douglas, uh, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, and White Rage by Carol Anderson. In Jesus' society and culture, Crucifixion, remember, it penalized political protest. It penalized subversive threats to the status quo. And in Mark's version of the Jesus story, Jesus takes his teachings from the margins of Galilee all the way to the center of his own political and economic structure, the doorstep of Caiaphas, uh, the the high priest himself. Um, It it was the the doorstep of the the temple state. I understood this a new way last week when Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, he he spoke on the the life of James Hal Cohn at, at Cohn's deeply moving funeral at the Riverside Church in New York City. And if, if you've not had a chance to watch that service yourself, it's one of the most moving funerals or memorial services um, that I've ever witnessed. You, you can watch it uh, online. I'll give a link this week uh, in the East site too, where you can watch it. But but Dr. Warnock, he, he, he chose Amos 7.10 for his eulogy. It says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel, and the land cannot bear 
all his words. And this passage, it not only rightly applies to Cohn, but it also helps us see Jesus in his own political tradition as well. Jesus stood in the Jewish prophetic tradition of speaking truth to power alongside of and in solidarity with uh, the, the oppressed. And when, when rescued from, from domesticated and, and housebroken interpretations, the Jesus story in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, it, the Jesus story is deeply political. Jesus wasn't running for some office within a political party. When it, when I say that, um, he wasn't running. He wasn't trying to be like a Pharisee or a Sadducee seeking a spot on the, the the Sanhedrin. But he was political because he lived and he taught in deep solidarity with the oppressed of his time, and he had compassionate concern for those who were being exploited by the politicians. Politics of his day. And Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 is reflected. This prophetic political uh, tradition is reflected in the words uh, uh, there. We see it in Isaiah 61, but it's reflected, it's, it's repeated in Luke 4, 18, 19. Where in Luke's version of the Jesus story, Jesus states, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, those that had been incarcerated, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And remember that meant in that culture, a year when all debts were to be canceled, all debts forgiven. Jesus called for those uh, he had called for those um, made last in, in, in their political and economic system to be placed first in the, the new social order that he called the kingdom or the reign of God. In Matthew 28 and verse 16, it says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. So the last will be first and the first will be last. And we see Jesus. Jesus's politics in the way he related to those who were labeled as sinners too. And as we've discussed, the label of sinner, it was not used universally as it is in many sectors of Christianity today. And in Jesus's time, it was a label used to religiously define. And in his society, it was therefore politically, it was used to politically marginalize some individuals or groups. Those are sinners. Um, and yet these sinners... They were the people that who, who heard Jesus's message as good news, and they responded positively. Jesus was excluded and, and labeled even as a sinner himself, too, for standing in solidarity with them. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, so how this label was used and, and, and Jesus's solidarity with those being labeled and marginalized, that's going to be our topic next week. We're going to look more fully at that. But for now, just know that Jesus called his followers to welcome and, and to center the very ones that those in power had, had influenced his society to push to the edges or to push to the undersides of their society. In Luke 14, 13, we see this again. Jesus said, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, 
blind. Jesus was a genuine threat to the social, political, and economic order of of his day. He was calling for his society to be turned upside down. And 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 and, and the same day I watched the live stream of Cohn's funeral last week, I also happened to be editing the quotations library and and RHM's quotation library under the category God of the Oppressed. And and how appropriate it was for me to be doing that on the same day as I still it just happened to fall that way as I celebrated Cohn's life and his teachings and and as I with others mourned his loss. I was going through quotation after quotation on one of the central themes of his life. In Cohn's book, which is by the same name, God of the Oppressed, on page nine he writes, What has the gospel to do with the oppressed of the land and their struggle for liberation? Any theologian who fails to place that question at the center of his or her work has ignored the essence of the gospel. And this is why I say that Jesus was political. Neither he nor those whom he cared about could afford to ignore the systems of injustice and oppression that were damaging real human lives. And today, some people's privilege, it allows them to ignore all things political. Politics to them, it's a bother. And there are others, though, who don't have that luxury. For them, the political issues of the day, they impact their lives directly. And and for still others, the policies of the day um, not not only impact their lives, their matters literally, with no hyperbole, their matters of of life and death. They can't afford to wait for utopia to fall from, from the sky someday. For them, the time is now, and they're trying to survive today. And for them, politics isn't just politics. It's it's not a theoretical debate. It's about people's lives. It's about their very survival. And for these people and for others two millennia ago, the synoptic Jesus was also a, a political one. And ultimately, politics matters because people matter. Following Jesus is not about being apolitical. It's about endeavoring to apply the politics of Jesus in our own context today of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and, and transformation. As our feature text states, it's very, uh, um, it, it has an effect, it has an impact on the here and in the now. It's threatening to the political, economic, and, and, and social structures of today. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Our group application this week, I want you to do a little exercise. Since we're defining politics as how we answer the question of who gets what, I want you to go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke and try to find find 10 times that Jesus answers that question as who gets what. And write down the verse, who he's referring to, and what he states they, they should get. And then number two, I want you to share and discuss your list with, with your entire heart group this upcoming week and see how long of a list that you as a group can make together. And then number three, compare this list with your own political values and discuss how this list impacts them. Consider what Jesus uh, Jesus's answers, um, consider what they challenge in your political views, consider what they affirm within your political views, and what can you no longer support if you're going to follow Jesus and lean into those areas where you're challenged and, and, and see what happens. Thanks for checking in with us this week, wherever you are, keep living in love, in survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Another
another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. 